Hello, I'm Michael Brodeur, and welcome to Leaders Alliance. We are a global community of kingdom-minded leaders who are passionate about helping you become the world-changing leader that God created you to be. Join the conversation. Well, hello, everybody. Michael Brodeur back again with you for Leaders Alliance podcast. And I'm super excited about today because we have some special guests that we're going to be introducing in just a few minutes, Gordon and Kathy Harris. And uh, they're just an amazing couple who have served with Catch the Fire Toronto for many years. And uh, Kathy leads the School of Ministry there. Gordon's part of that as well. And so but before I introduce them, I just want to say again, welcome. We're so glad that you're with us. And, uh, you know, I'm super excited about what God's doing in Leaders Alliance because we just launched about really about a month ago, maybe six weeks ago. And in that period of time, we've had a number of people join into what we're doing. There's just a sense of excitement across the board. We've been doing these catalyst groups. See, one of the things about this unique leaders network that we're building is that it's built not so much around geographical affiliations, but around passion. We want to connect people according to their dreams and their purpose and their sense of destiny. And so what we've done is as we've launched this, we've launched with five catalytic groups. And these five catalytic groups, if I can just mention them to you quickly, are first of all, church leadership, which is led by Mark and Cheryl Perry. They're pastors in the central coast of California. And uh, they're they're just you know seasoned leaders who have walked in the Lord for, gosh, almost 40 years and have planted churches and have done amazing ministry. Well, uh, Mike, Mark and uh, Cheryl are actually leading up a group of around 30 pastors and leaders to help strengthen them and help also to connect them to this greater kingdom purpose of Leaders Alliance. Because Leaders Alliance isn't just about church leaders, it's also about marketplace leaders. And that's the second group we have. And there's probably, I don't know, 15 or so people in there, but we have a, an amazing leader named Mike Frank, who's the advisor of that group. JT Monarchek is the... Uh, the catalyst leader. And then we have a team of just awesomely anointed uh, marketplace leaders. And we could see that group kind of growing and spinning off new groups in education and government and other places. Right now, it's sort of a catch-all for all the people in the marketplace. The next level is what we call thought leaders. And that's led by Elijah. And uh, Elijah is just an amazing friend of mine, Elijah Stevens. He's uh, also the producer of the movie called Send Send Proof. And uh, it actually shows the medical verification for supernatural healing. And uh, But he's also got a double master's degree in apologetics and in science and religion. And really our focus in the thought leaders group is to try to really understand where culture is going and how to bring the truth, the undiluted historic truth of the of the Bible to intersect with where culture is at. And so that includes apologetics, theology, but also understanding culture and those dynamics. Then our next group that we're really trying to cultivate, which has about, I don't know, 15 people in it, is a group that's actually focused on church planting. 
because we believe that really, if we're going to actually reach this world, if we're going to reap a big harvest in the coming season, we need to train and release more and more pastors and church planters. And so we're hoping over this next 10 years that we can release a thousand church planting teams around the world to touch major cities and to bring the kingdom of God in a powerful way. And in order to facilitate that, our fifth group is focused on intercession and the prophetic. Because unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. So we have this group of about 25 intercessors and prophetic people who are gathered together. And they're part of that passion group that is focusing us as catalysts towards the harvest of God. And so, but these are five that we've launched, but actually probably in, at the beginning of next year, we're going to launch a few more groups. And then beyond that, we're going to have many, many more because ultimately our goal is not to centralize into some big organization, but rather to decentralize by empowering individuals in every sphere of society to reach their world for Christ in a powerful way. And we'll do that by creating a, a, a network, a a kingdom community of leaders that are actually coming together to resource one another, to connect with one another, but also to collaborate on bringing God's kingdom to earth in a powerful way. So thank you for checking out uh, leadersalliance.org and uh, just encourage you to go to the site. We have some free training on there. Uh, we are offering other kinds of uh, free training throughout the next couple of months. So please stay tuned, sign up for our newsletter because we have a great newsletter that just kind of shares uh, different aspects of what we're doing. So anyway, but now I want to shift gears. I want to actually introduce my good friends, uh, Gordon and Kathy Harris. And uh, if you guys can come actually on the screen, if uh, and there's Gordon and there's Kathy, look at this. We are doing it. Kathy's had a little bit of uh, internet trouble. So, uh, but I'm just going to start with so, a word of prayer and then I'm going to introduce these, these two. So Father, thank you so much for your presence. We thank you so much that you're always with us, but we ask that your presence would be tangible on this call, not just for those who are on live, but those who will be joining us in the future, Lord, and, and tuning into this broadcast. Lord, we pray that you would actually be present in their hearts as they listen, as they interact, and as they allow the, the, the presence of God to equip them for ministry in the future. So we, we love you, Lord, and we ask for you to bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Excellent. So while we're waiting for Kathy to come on board, Gordon, I'd like you to just uh, take a few minutes and share a bit of your history. How did you come to the Lord? How did you meet Kathy? How have you guys been involved in ministry? Just give us a picture of that. And then Kathy, you can jump in as, as you guys uh, will do back and forth. So go ahead, Gordon. Oh, that's uh, great. Thanks for having us on, Michael. Yes. Uh, for me, I think, uh, you know, the, I came to a kind of a crisis point when I was in university. I, uh, you know, I'd, I'd sort of lived my teenage years and in, into university riding on sort of, I would say, my natural gifts. You know, so I was uh, into sports and, uh, uh, you know, it was relatively intelligent. And uh, but but I came to my third year in university and I had a lot of unresolved issues in my heart, I would say. And uh, the long and the short of it was that I crashed and burned and they mm. asked me please, we'd like to invite you to leave the university. So uh, I took that invitation that I didn't really have much choice on. And uh, I went to where I was, uh, I had worked summer jobs for Bell Telephone. And so I 
cooked another one. It was a little bit longer, went throughout the summer and on. But I was all by myself, basically, in northern Ontario, living out of a hotel during the week and uh, mm. doing a lot of thinking about my life. And uh, every night I would come back to my hotel with my or motel, I should say, with my dinner and, uh, you know, maybe try and find something on the, you know, two channels or three channels on TV. Uh, but then there was a Billy Graham uh, wow. thing that was playing. It was I think it was pre-recorded. Uh, and and I found I, I tried not to watch it, to be honest with you. I mean, who wants to watch that stuff? But uh, but there wasn't much else on. And I found myself captivated by the authenticity that that uh, Billy Graham exuded. And wow. at the end of it, I was I was fired up. I mean, it gave the altar call. I thought if I was there, I'd go down there. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, but I'm not there. So, you know. <laughs> And uh, then this this little uh, then, then across the screen it said if you're within the viewing you know audience call this number I'm like oh so I I uh, and the thing was I had to go through us I had to call to the switchboard in the motel so I did this several times it was always busy and then uh, you know nine o'clock the switchboard shut down so that was that I got into bed and I had this thought call one more time. So, <sighs> You know, I, I know it's after time. Could you please? And I got through, did the did the sinner's prayer, etc. Uh, <laughs> but I felt something really changed in my life. Wow. Now, again, I had all sorts of unresolved things going on, and I didn't particularly live the best Christian life, but I was a bit of a schizophrenic after that, and God was clearly poking at me, and, you know, I saw things through his grid. And so it was, uh, it was important for me. I went on a bit of a spiritual journey. Um, pilgrimage to the UK and, and to Israel for a while. And uh, I came back and I decided I'm, I'm going to continue with my studies. So they sort of stuck me midway between second and third year. So I was doing a number of courses that I'd already done in second year, but hadn't had the highest grades. So one of them was anatomy. And uh, I'd done quite well in the in the last exam, but not during the year. So they had this a strange thing where they couldn't open the lab uh, early or like in regular time. And so then they had to jam us all in in order to get ready for some exam, some midterm exam. So a Saturday morning, believe it or not, at eight or nine o'clock, I'm in there and these three girls, I'm in the anatomy lab, there's bodies around the room and these three girls together are, are, you know, looking at things. And so I'm kind of, you know, they come to my table and I, because I've done this before, I'm like, okay, there's this. What do you think that is? Here's how you know, etc. And I knew two of them, but I didn't know the third girl, and I couldn't remember her last name because it wasn't <laughs> Smith or something. And uh, so I just called her Kathy. Kathy, that was that. That's Kathy that you see on the other screen. So um, you know, then kind of we became friends, and I remember pulling the ultimate uh, Christian dating line, which is, uh, you know. If you were to die today, what, you know, where do you think you'd go? <laughs> and uh, she didn't blow me off, so that was amazing. That's good. Uh, so we, you know, we began a friendship from that day, and she was really my best friend. We were sort of dated on and off, and uh, finally came a point where, uh, you know, we were both in university past the time when we were supposed to be there, working on our last thesis, and uh, we connected again, and that that was kind of that was kind of the trip. That was the marriage time. So, Kathy, what about you? Your journey up to that moment? Up to that moment. So I grew up in a lovely family, but not a Christian family. And as a 
Young, t I tried everything though. I was trying to find myself. I'm one of those middle children for any of you listening out there. So I was trying to find who I am and how do I fit in the family and sort of tried everything, sex, drugs, rock and roll. And, um, but at the same time, I had this hunger for God. I mean, it was really the Holy Spirit pursuing me, I think, as a, as a young teenager. And I, I was the same as Gordon. I played sports my whole life. I, I really rode on my natural ability and did not do too much in my academic ability. Um, and by the time I got to university, I was so hungry for God and, and, and asking everyone, like my roommates, people around me. And I would say as I was going toward God, a lot of my university friends were going away from God if they had been brought up with God. And then I ran into Gordon over the dead body on the anatomy table and uh and i had heard that he had become a born-again christian i was like oh my goodness i don't even know what that is but it sounds it sounds real you know and so i started picking his brains and he gave me a bible and even though i was still living my very wild life i started reading that bible and just changed started like i shouldn't be i remember telling my my roommates on some you know, kind of drunken fast, like, I don't think we should be doing this. And wow. they were like, what are you talking about? And so, um, yeah, my, my life got completely changed. Gordon was very polite about our dating relationship, but you know how that goes. Yeah. And um, when we, when we were like, we're together, we were like, we want to get married. And, uh, and he wanted to go to Bible college. I was like, that sounds fine. I'll work and you go to Bible college and let's take it from there. Wow. That's amazing. And so that what year was that? What year did you guys get married? We got married 1985. <laughs> That's so bad. I 85 or 86. That. We graduated in 85 <laughs> and 86. What was, what was, I mean, I don't know if we can jump forward yet at sure. all, but what was amazing is we kind of went the, you know, we we went to New Zealand and worked and traveled after university and then got connected to a Bible school in Texas. So we came home, we got married. We went to uh, this Bible school that was only for guys because it was, you know, in the deep south. And and out of pity, I think they let me take, uh, you know, take what Gordon was taking. And so I was the only girl to graduate from that Bible school. Wow. Uh, but what was amazing is we then came back to Canada and we pastored our first church, which, well, we were associate pastors, having not been to church yet outside of Bible school and stepped on all kinds of sacred toes. They were pretty gracious to us because we were young and uh, clearly we didn't know what we were doing. Wow. Um, but when, but you know, the revival broke out at that time when we were part of that church and Gordon and I, thankfully, were on the very same page because we were so hungry for God still. And uh, and when, you know, Vineyard worship music started coming out, we just hit the floor and we're like, oh, my goodness, what is this? And you could tell it was changing our theology and actually really opening us to the Father and the possibilities. We read Jack Deere's book you know, surprised by the power of the spirit. And we read it with the cover off. We were so afraid that somebody was going to see it in our home with Gordon to put like another cover on it. And, and, um, but, you know, we came to Toronto, we heard about it, but it was it very, uh, not in a good way. Um, but we were just, we were so hungry. So we came in 1995 
snuck in literally wow. and um you know i'll never forget it's so interesting how god works because we picked up this little pamphlet and it said the school of ministry is launching in september but gordon and i had already accepted to go back to texas for gordon to do his masters and we looked at each other and we said we could do this wow. and then we were already committed and so it's so interesting how fast forward you know five years later we were back working at the school ministry amazing and so how did you yeah. end up back there like i'd love to hear the story of of becoming well you went to the school of ministry as students and then you started to lead or you just went as leaders no we right. um we basically we had we when we were living in texas the second time uh, we were part of this great cell church exploring gifts of the spirit and uh the the pastor had kind of had a um uh relationship that wasn't appropriate with his secretary mm. and uh and and we were on the leadership team and that kind of uh unsettled the church and then the process it kind of got all mixed up and the whole thing eventually uh sort of blew apart and after a couple of years it wasn't going anywhere so we we uh, the whole leadership team decided we're going to shut this down and we were stuck back you know we we had no reason uh, well we wanted to stay in the states actually but of course we didn't have a ability to do that. So we Our came back to Canada, tied, yeah. not knowing what to do. Uh, didn't particularly want to get into ministry again. Couldn't go back into our old denomination. And, um, and then, um, I, I, you know, the, I have actually two stories in my head and I can't remember which one's quite right, but long and the short of it is, uh, I put in a resume to oh, really? what was then Toronto airport Christian fellowship oh. and they flagged it because, uh, that that my this our story was the same as another story of canadians in the states things blew up but they were now in revival couldn't come really back to the denomination so they invited both couples to come and to interview they they knew there was something of god on it and we were the only ones to show up oh wow All right That's so cool. we had this strange interview with john and carol arnott at a picnic table at the beach at their <laughs> camp and, wow. uh, and, and they we, said basically yeah go ahead yeah they said well let's see if you like us and let's see if we like you and wow. basically we got we entered in our first job i think again what was a really cool god move was or or you know god showing up in our lives gordon's makes that whole church experience sound awesome it was so painful because we yeah. adored this pastor and it it didn't confuse the church it exploded the church and to wow. the point that it does not exist which is heartbreaking but we had a, a guy who was a prophetic guy that always came and and really taught and mentored us as leaders and and he you know the night everything was exploding he came to us and he said i've been up all night and i i haven't really heard anything from the lord for you the only thing i've heard is this verse fear not little flock for i'm with you we were kind of like okay well thanks you know tuck it in our pocket but not very life-changing but when gordon and i came to toronto and we came you know hired interviewed we walked into the auditorium and there there was a plaque that was right over the entrance it said fear not little flock for i'm with you and you just know like Whoa. you just have that like oh my goodness i'm actually yeah. in the right place at the right time and that's awesome um, we've so, had the best so experience. michael so we 
we yeah, actually started in uh, both of us had different kind of jobs in accounting, just a joke because I don't know anything about money. <laughs> and uh, but but it was about eight months later that John Arnott proposed that we take uh, the the new Bible school that he was starting and that eventually merged with the school of ministry. So and what yeah. year would that have been the like when you actually 2000. OK. Yeah. So you've yeah. been there a long time. Now, I know yeah. that, you know, your roles have been a little bit different, even though you work together in the School of Ministry. But you also did a major stint in in your further education, achieving your doctoral degree. Uh, talk about that, Gordon, for a minute. Well, it was it was quite stretching, actually, um, you know, pushes on all your all your fears of can I do this? What am I doing? How's it going to work? Uh, I think uh, I I think the path God has always had me on has been, well, not always, but for the last several decades is uh, evangelical education, charismatic type experience in church. And those things I felt like gave me a good balance. Uh, One of them, and I've had great teachers who've been open to many things. Uh, I think one of the most crucial things that happened to me was that uh, my original thesis idea somebody had already done it so uh, you know i got down to like literally weeks before i had to get a new thesis and uh, i finally was at the end of my rope and i said god you know i'm at the end of things and i know you're in this so i really need a new idea because it's done now there's no more wiggle room you can't wait any longer and immediately the thought came to me argue against what you'd previously proposed like oh okay and that to me that was that was a clear god is in this thing so um you know i i you know there obviously there were struggles there was some uh, some marital fallout when you do this kind of uh, study because it's stressful you know yeah but uh, but i learned a lot i loved it actually i i loved uh, all the stuff i learned and you know great fun and so where does that stand now? You're you've you've completed your dissertation or your yeah. thesis, you're you're in. I mean you've got the letters. Yeah. I think the, 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 you know, the question is always what are you gonna do now? Yeah. yeah. It's a door open. Are you you know how much you're gonna push on that door? Uh, mm-hmm. I'm I'm not dependent on it for a job or a career. Sure. Um, so you know, it's always that that kind of question. Uh, I think the door is left hanging somewhat open. I think God's leaving it open. So I'm, uh, I'm gently pushing. Right. And so Kathy, while Gordon was pursuing his uh, studies, you were, (laughs) you were actually a professor. You were teaching a bunch of young leaders in a couple of different contexts. Why don't you talk about your experience there? Yeah. So uh, I definitely was holding the fort a lot more during that time. And so we have, several different things going on. We have the School of Ministry, which is has typically been a school for 18 to 35 year olds, much on the younger end of that. And so that's fantastic. I mean, to watch these guys encounter yeah. God. Somebody said once, you know, do you, don't you get tired of it? All these sort of teenagers. I'm like, no. I mean, when you when you just hear their stories, it's Oh, it's absolutely beautiful. And I think God is so faithful. And especially during this last year and a half of, you know, the pandemic. Oh, my goodness, what has happened in in the school has been 
just unbelievable because mm. we've had to really modify and really so you know it's not the the structure it's just the father son and holy spirit being so present and loving to come to to you know their children who are hungry and and ready so it's it's very gratifying there's also been a church planting um which i've had in my heart for years and years um mm -hmm. you know dragged gordon along in my church planting adventures and um we uh we gordon and i actually tried to plant seriously you know gather a team and you know one team we met with for over a year um and another team actually went in church planted but they went on the mission field and we just we just knew we weren't called to the mission field i mean as much as we wanted to go with them they were our great friends and the father was just like no it's not your spot so um i i know and believe that our gifting is to train and mentor and it is particularly with young adults who are different than um you know 40 and 50 year olds and um yeah so that so that training is now going on and we have big dreams and catch the fire for that to plant healthy churches and and mm. you know mentor these guys and you're a big part of that michael just just yeah. developing healthy leaders who can then multiply more leaders so um very exciting we also do you know minister to leaders um which is a completely different ball game than mm -hmm. ministering to 18 year olds but yeah. oh my goodness when you see yeah. them get saved again it's <laughs> it's a beautiful thing as well so that's awesome yeah well what do you what do you guys see as the biggest challenge of leadership at this moment you know we're just coming out of the pandemic hopefully. <laughs> and we're in this yeah. situation where we've had all this polarity in our culture over the pandemic, over the politics, over some of the racial issues. You know, as you look at, at especially at, let's say that that 18 to 35 year old level, what are you seeing as the biggest challenge in disciple making and in leadership in general? Uh, I mean, I think one of the things is, as you've said, everything is it's very highly charged right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, social media is not helping at all because loud <laughs> voices, very confident and sometimes uninformed voices gain traction. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's hard. And yet there's an opposite reaction, which is, I don't want, I don't want to hear anything. So, yeah. uh, so you have, you do have those two things that are, are important. And I think as pastors, you, you're kind of having to do a dance because you're trying, I think, most pastors, uh, leaders uh, are trying to maintain what's central, you know, which is Jesus and mm -hmm. following Jesus. But they're they're getting shot at from all sides, you know, mm -hmm. vaccines, not vaccines, uh, political parties, the, all those kinds right. of things. Uh, I think that's that's a big thing. They're having to do the dance. But I think coming out of it, uh, hopefully we get through this, is that, you know what, the, the major thing is really is really follow is following Jesus mm. and, uh, and, and, um, you know, so the, there's, there's, there, it's just difficult for, I think for people to maintain that kind of balance without being branded or labeled something. Wow. You know, yeah. yeah, and, I think, yeah and I think they're looking for something that's really real and, uh, uh you know, all the, the take away all the fluff and what's real and they, they are definitely hungry and, and hungry for God, but not, not the fluffy part of it and i think it's interesting because if you study millennials which the the age bracket seems to 
continue to kind of expand. Um, But, but they, they said, you know, our generation, our heroes were the presidents and the, you know, the guys that went to the moon and those were our hero, but the heroes of the millennial generation are us. They're the fathers, mothers, Mm. and and grandparents. And that's, that's a big responsibility. They're they're really looking for authenticity. And I think, you know, when you, when it comes down to it, they're looking for authenticity in, in the people that they follow, but also when they're confronted by the real presence of God, yeah, uh, that makes a difference as well. You know, That's for right. all of us, it does. You encounter God, it, it's it's kind of centers you again. Like, sure, you know, He's the one that's the most important thing, not all this other buzz that's going on. So, absolutely. Well, kind of getting a little bit more personal, then, uh, what would you say? Maybe each of you should answer this separately. But Kathy, what would you say is the biggest mistake you made in leadership? And how did you find your way back to a place of equilibrium again? Oh, boy. (laughs) The biggest mistake in leadership. Okay, Gordon, go first. Why? Yeah, well, he's got his answer. You know, there's one big mistake that kind of costs me in a way. And that was going back to that thing in Texas. I think trying to do the right thing, be a stand-up guy, mm. I consider that maybe I gave my assent to a, a radical course of action that didn't need to be taken at that moment. And um, and I, you know, thinking back on it, I realized, you know what, uh, just hold off. Just think about what are the real consequences of this action we're going to take. And also trust myself. I didn't really trust myself as a leader. Mm. Uh, so I didn't trust the inside of me, which was saying, don't do this. You know, I, I, I kind of went ahead in order to, you know, to, to do this. And I think the other thing generally, this probably goes along with that. The biggest uh, things that we all wrestle with are really the things we bring to the table. Yeah. You know, our own weaknesses. And, um, yeah. you know, so, you know, those things are always cropping up. You know, am I present? Am I withdrawing? Am I controlling? Am I, uh, you know, those kinds of things, I think, as a leader. Uh, so I try I try to counterbalance those by putting things into place. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, for instance, am I being present? Well, I have sometimes not been present because of, you know, I need to do my work, etc. I've now structured things like lunchtimes with my team another couple of things that now allow me to be present with them so they can know me better, you yeah. know, those kinds of things. So. No, that's so right. Well, yeah, the first thing good. you mentioned, which was the issue of, uh, you know, in a sense, fulfilling what you perceive to be an obligation, but you feel like maybe you should have just obeyed what you felt in your heart at that moment. Yeah. And I know yeah. that one, you know, I, in fact, when we finally left San Francisco, there was a prophetic word that a guy had over us that, he said, I see you crossing the bay and stepping into a new day because you've stayed in one place a little too long. And um, and as I've thought about that, I thought, wow, you know, had we had we, you know, taken a step earlier and not just been as loyal and as sort of obligated to commitments we had made, but mm-hmm. rather been a little bit more fluid in our ability to respond to the word of the Lord, we might have had a different track, a different a different pathway. So that's, right. an, that's an interesting one. How about you, Kathy? What are you yeah. seeing? Yeah, I I would say uh, my biggest mistake was that I led for years as a rebel. 
Hmm. So I, as a young kid, I was like, come follow me. Like we're going over here, but in a very rebellious way. And the thing is when you become a Christian, that doesn't necessarily go away, does it? So what happens is you're still almost worse as a Christian leader leading as a rebel. And what it meant is I gathered rebel leaders and that and you know actually god really got a hold of me he was and he you know because i kind of thought it was edgy and cool and he's like no i i do not have the same feelings about that and it was it oh it went deep 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 and i and i realized oh that's a flaw that in god's eyes that that's a flaw and i have to i have to deal with that and so um i would say that would be my biggest mistake that i've worked hard to to correct well you did a good job because i haven't seen that part of you at all but i could now that you're saying it i could see that you know that kind of reaction of being the the contrary one the 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 skeptic or the naysayer or the yeah i mean i could i could relate to that you know i know early on um god placed me in a pretty strict discipleship church and so you know uh, and I knew he did it for my good because that was in me. You know, I would have been that leader had I not been sort of what we called filet of soul. You know, where, <laughs> where we had, uh, you know, you yeah. learn to submit to leaders. And I remember just this, this scripture going through my mind at one point because it says, you know, how can we love God whom we can't see if we can't love our brother whom we can see? Uh, the Lord actually sp- changed the words on it. How can I submit to my brother whom I can't see or I can see if, or how can I submit to God whom I can't see if I can't submit to my brother whom I can see? And it's like, but again, from the heart, like, you yeah. know, and so that's, that's yeah. awesome. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. And so as you guys look into the future and you're kind of like, obviously we all believe that God's moving in some pretty amazing ways right now. And, and he's laying the foundations, I think for an even greater harvest than we've ever known. How do you see that playing out? Like what, what are your guys thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, I think, I think at bottom line, you know, that you have to have some hunger for things you know, for God yeah. in the future. Uh, but you want to you want to still actually lay a pretty good foundation for yourself in terms of of your heart, your practices, uh, because when you when you lose when you lose those things, you can you know, you can run with the, you can go with the, with the flow for quite a while. But then you end up being a dish rag, you mm. know, down down the way, uh, yeah. kind of wrung out and there's no substance to you because you haven't kept your foundational uh, pieces together. Uh, so I, I think. The, in some ways, the same things that that go into just being a good disciple on a daily basis are the foundation for being able to go forward when God wow. does something powerful oh, and different. Actually, I was just yeah. talking with um, with uh, Duncan last night, and he was a farmer for many years. And he said his uncle was was training him in farming, and he said there's a difference between the maximum harvest and the optimal harvest. Because the maximum harvest, you could actually grow a, a massive crop maybe three years in a row, but you're going to deplete the soil. But if you can actually go for an optimal harvest, you can maybe trim it back from that massive thing and, and sustain it for 10 years or 20 years. Yeah. And I think that was a, a real good uh, perspective for me because I tended to be the person who just like runs and and then hits a brick wall, you know, and I think 
this idea that we're not in a sprint, but we're in a marathon and that sustained revival is possible, but it's going to require a certain amount of care, self-care. Your thoughts yeah. on that? Yeah. Kathy? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think part of the, you know, and I'll keep it tied to winning the, the loss, but I think a big part of Gordon and the mandate that God has given us is that to keep the fire going to the next generation. Yeah. So, you know, we had Danny Silk come and speak and it was good and jarring, but, you know, John and Carol were the Holy Spirit landed and they were given the fire. And then yeah. the next generation, which is basically us, we managed, you know, the outpouring and everything that was happening. And the danger is the next generation gets a management leftover kind of, oh, and that yeah. it's essential that we raise up the next generation in the, not just the fire value, but the, but actually the anointing and that they're carriers of the fire. And it's a, it's a, it's a big mandate, I believe, for us, and one that we're really um, pressing into because that's what's going to bring the loss. I mean, I was reading today out of John, and it just talks about, you know, the signs and wonders. People still had the option when they saw the sign and wonder, but many believed, you know, many believed, and some didn't. So it's it's not going to be perfect, but I still believe that miracle and the holy spirit moving is is what will bring in the harvest oh that's so good yeah actually it was, it was interesting today because uh john arnott spoke at this retreat we're at right now and he basically you know was talking about word and spirit working together because his concern on the other hand is that many of our young people are so uh experientially oriented that they're not actually studying the word either and yeah. so it's like we have a danger to sort of miss it on either side of the equation if we're not careful. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, we need obviously the word of God to be deeply planted. And he pointed out all the the former Baptists in the room, you know, who had that foundation laid before they ever yeah. knew better, you know. Yeah. And, then, oh, uh, yeah. Uh, and that's the same thing that actually I, I was in a conversation with, with Bill Johnson. He said, I said, what is what is your biggest concern about the future? And he said, yeah. well, two things. One is that the emerging generation won't, won't know the price that was paid for yeah. the blessings they've inherited. And yeah. secondly, that their approach to the word of God is fairly shallow. And so they're walking yeah. in this, this, you know, Holy Spirit dynamic, but without necessarily the deep roots. And yeah. so, um, gosh, I would like, we, we got to close up in a second here, but I want to just like what recommendations would you give for a leader right now, especially somebody who's leading young? Because both of you are in a situation where you're leading, you know, towards the towards the emerging generation. You're not exclusively yeah. there, but you're you're leading in that direction. What what advice would you give a leader who's struggling to make disciples in our generation? Uh, deal with your heart issues is a big one. Of course, we're always mm -hmm. going to say that in our movement because it's part yeah. of who we are. But yeah. but it, it just it just is there. If you don't, it's a it's a mess. And I would say you know learn from other great leaders, hang around great leaders, be humble. Yeah, be teachable. <laughs> be teachable, yeah. exactly. Oh man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I would say the same thing. I think we need to be continuing to learn and read and. And I think especially to listen to what they're reading and what they're learning so that we, you know, have a conversation. The conversation is still open with them. Um, you know, we have really 
because we felt the word from God introduced discipleship into the school of ministry, which we've never had before. Yeah. I yeah. think as leaders, we should be able to say, this is how I disciple someone. Wow. You know, but most of us are like, Ooh, how do you disciple someone? Well, I hope they come along to church and they absorb what they need to and it works. Um, but I think we need to know this is how somebody is discipled right. and we pass that on so then they can do it. No, and that's one of my highest core values is the value of intentionality. And I just feel like, again, you know, okay. having been just through different movements and different experiences in the Holy Spirit and revival, but also in discipleship, it's like, how can we aim towards an outcome? And really bring about that outcome, and, and we have time. We have, we have the yeah. wherewithal, and we have the Holy Spirit to help us really gauge that process. So, but I, I yeah. honor both of you as as people who've really taken it to heart and have put your life on the line to really raise up the next generation of leaders. And I just feel like a, you know this first broadcast or podcast with you guys is is simply more of an introduction. I hope to have you on, you know, sometime in the future to be able to follow up and go a little bit deeper, maybe have you on separately and go a little bit deeper with each of you as individuals. But again, this this introductory time is just to really kind of get give people a sense of your heart and who you are. But I'm wondering as we close, could you guys just pray for us listening and also for those that will listen on the archives in the future? And uh, and then we'll wrap this up. Sure. So, um, Lord, we just um, we love all the things that you're doing in yes. the world right now, things we see and, and are obvious to us, but also the things that are not obvious. And you're shaking a lot of things right now. Mm, um, yes. And so we just pray, you know, shake those shake those things out and the things in us that need shaking out, shake those things out as well. We want to be really good followers. We want to be yes. really good apprentices of you and um so whatever whatever lord you need to do in us we just give you permission right now yes and lord. we just say come holy spirit come and father i pray that there is an impartation today of the spirit and the word father i pray for everyone watching that there is a deep hunger for your word that they they can't get enough of it father and a deep hunger to not be a manager of your presence, but a a, a receiver and an imparter yes. of your presence, Father. And an imparter to um, impart to the next generation and the next generation and the next. And Father, I pray that, um, you know, I, I actually see this picture of like a, it, it's like a tree that has this small fruit on it. I feel like it's fruit that would just fit in the palm of your hand. And, and I feel like the Father is saying to whoever's watching right now, that fruit is for the taking so father i pray mm. that we recognize around us the the fruit and the favor that you're that you're giving giving us father i pray that we never you know just sit in a anything too long where you're like oh i was trying to move you to something you know different or get you to see something different but but yes. that we recognize the time we recognize the place and we recognize the fruit that you're saying you can actually have that. Just reach out and grab it. Amen. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And so, Father, I also bless the Harris's right now, Lord, that you would grant them clarity in their family, clarity in their ministry, in their marriage. Lord, I pray that there would just be such clarity, such of a spotlight on the, the path ahead. 
that they would not miss the trail in front of them, Lord, but that they would be able to step into the fullness of what you have for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. Thank Thanks you so, so much. much for being on this podcast. And oh, it's a pleasure. I'm excited about it, enriching people in the future. And uh, let me just say to all of you that are listening, both now and in the future, we're so grateful to have you as part of Leaders Alliance. We believe that God has a leadership revolution that he's doing right now. God is raising up leaders all around the body of Christ. The average leader right now, I think, is a little stuck. But if we can get unstuck and we can move ahead in our development into greater and greater levels of leadership, I believe we can be the world changers that Jesus uh, called us to be priests and kings unto our God. And so I just am excited about joining with you for that outcome. So God bless all of you. Take care.